Let's turn to the book of Joshua. And I can't say I have some big prophetic word for the new year. There are guys who have prophetic words. And one of my friends called me last night with an amazing word for 2024. And uh, so they're out there. God has some real, real prophetic people. But uh, I'm just going to preach the word. And I've, I, I, it leapt in my spirit as I was reading through the book of Joshua. I just read through the book of Joshua recently. And uh, I noticed some things about Joshua's life that I'd never really paid attention to before. Number one, uh, he never really failed God. You read the life of Moses. Moses failed the Lord when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it, and he couldn't enter the promised land. You read the life of the patriarchs. They somewhere messed up. Abraham lied, and Isaac followed his example, and Jacob was a deceiver. And you go, you know, there, there was flaws and I'm sure Joshua had his issues, but the Bible really doesn't bring out any great flaw that Joshua had in his, in his entire tenure of leadership. Lived to be 110 years old, and he obeyed the Lord fully. He obeyed the Lord fully. And then he comes to the end of his life, and he, he meets in a place called Shechem in the Promised Land. Now he's brought the children of Israel into the Promised Land. They're here between the mountain of blessing and the mountain of cursing, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And as they're standing between this, this, these mountains, it, it's, it's a visual representation of, of the children of Israel being able to choose blessing or cursing. Just like Moses had declared in his farewell speech, Deuteronomy chapters 28, 29, he talks about blessing and cursing and being able to choose. It's within your power to choose which way you want to go. And so Joshua makes this farewell speech in Joshua 24, the last chapter, and he comes to verse 15 and he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, and in Egypt serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then go ahead and choose yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. So, so Joshua is saying, make up your mind right now. I'm leaving. This is the deal. We've come into the promised land. Make up your mind what you're going to do. We're coming out of 2023 into 2024. Make up your mind what you're going to do. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have any big prophetic word, but I feel like it's going to get wild in 24. I feel like the national scene is going to get kind of crazy, and I feel the church is going to get more powerful and move in more of the miraculous and more of the supernatural. I did feel, and gave a prophetic word under the inspiration of the Spirit back about three Sundays ago, and this sounds cliche, but I heard the Lord say 2024 is the year of, the, of, of more. He's going to do more in 24. There's going to be a higher level, a deeper depth, more we can flow into. Amen? So that's what I'm looking for happening, but I think it's going to get crazy in the world. I just think it's going to get crazier. But as it gets crazier, I think the Lord's going to do mightier and mightier things. Glory is coming on the church in a manner like we've never seen it before. Hallelujah. Come on, can somebody lift your hand and say, Lord, let the glory come on me. So he says, you made it to this point. Now you make up your mind. You can go back and serve the gods of Egypt. How was that working for you? 
Or you can stay here and serve the gods of the Amorites, and how's that working for them? But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I guess, you know, I've known this passage uh, ever since I've been a believer, and I guess I always had it in my mind that it was somewhere in the beginning of Joshua's leadership. But what kind of struck me, and I knew the, I even knew the reference, but I guess I just didn't think about it and piece it together, and it just struck me afresh that this happened at the end of his life. He's not standing up and saying, hey, now that we've begun this journey, I'm going to serve the Lord. He's saying, no, I've reached the end of this journey. And I'm telling you what, I'm as determined today as I've always been that I'm going to serve the Lord and my family's going to serve the Lord. Come on, say it with me. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on, one more time. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So there are many great leadership characteristics I see in the life of Joshua. I just want to bring out four of them. Just pick out four of them and then ask a question on each one as we roll in to 2024. First of all, Joshua was a servant. Joshua was a servant. He was the protege of Moses. Moses was his mentor. If you notice, he came out of Egypt with the original group of Israelites who saw the ten plagues. They saw the Nile turn to blood. They saw the death of the firstborn. They had the Passover meal. All of that, he was, he was in that crowd that saw all that happen. He followed Moses from that time until he went up on Mount Nebo and went home to be with the Lord. He had seen the glory on Moses. He had seen the glory on the tabernacle. He had seen the cloud by day, fire by night. He had tasted the manna himself. He saw the quail that appeared. He saw the water coming forth from the rock. His shoes didn't wear out in his generation, and there was not one feeble person among his generation in the whole kingdom camp of Israel. He had seen it all and he had walked with Moses the man of God. There's an example of this in Exodus chapter 17 verse 9. The Bible says, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses, her and Aaron went up to the top of the hill and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy, and so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands on one side and on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek. So Joshua's out here in the heat of the battle fighting. He looks up on the hill, and he sees his mentor, Moses, raising his hands. And as long as he has his hands raised, the power of God moves and Joshua wins the battle. That is a mentor. Cheering you on, believing for the power of God to be manifest in your life. Can somebody shout amen? All the great coaches I've ever known, I mean, I've ever known had some great mentor. I thought about Mike Krzyzewski who played under Bobby Knight at West Point. Or even Pat Riley, who was the great L.A. Lakers coach. You know he played at the University of Kentucky. <laughs> Under the great Adolph Rupp. And, and, and folks like that, even Michael Jordan referred back to his time with Dean Smith and how Dean became like a father to him. No one, no great leader emerges in a vacuum. 
They don't just appear out of, out of thin air. They're mentored by somebody. They come up under somebody. And sometimes you come up under somebody you don't agree with all the ways they do things. Howard Hendrickson said years ago, we need three mentors in our lives. All of us need a Moses. All of us need a Paul. All of us need someone that we look up to that we can see they move in the power of God, they, they honor God, they walk with integrity. Thank God I've had some of those men in my life. Most of them have gone on to be with the Lord. I consider Brother Ted one of those. One of those guys I look up to and I see how they move in the Holy Ghost because there was a lot of opportunities for me along the line to take an exit from this whole way of church. I had a, I had a lot of opportunities to go another way and to say I'm giving up on all this Holy Ghost stuff, on all this miracle stuff, but I had some great mentors in my life that I looked back to that I knew were men of God that moved in the depths of the Spirit, and I said, Lord, when the day is over, I want to be like those guys. Amen? I want to be like those guys. I want to move in the power of God like they moved with God. That's why Dana and I spent a lot of time studying the old men and women of God who moved in power and moved in authority from A.A. Allen to R.W. Schambach who I came up under his preaching to Catherine Kuhlman to the, to the greats who were, or another mentor of mine, H. Richard Hall, that I came up under was a voice of healing guy who moved in miracles every night of his life. I want to be like those guys. I don't want dead church. I don't want... A cold, frozen church. I want Holy Ghost fire, life-changing church. The world don't need more religion. The world needs more Jesus. Hallelujah. The world needs more miracles. The world needs the real thing. We all need a Paul or a Moses. Then Hendrickson said we also need a, 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 like a co-mentor, someone who's a friend, like a Barnabas. The word Barnabas means a son of encouragement. You need someone kind of on your level who can encourage you and help you through the tough times. How many of you have someone you feel like that? You have a Barnabas. One characteristic of a Barnabas, though, is that he will be able to tell you the truth even if it hurts. Hallelujah. Somebody needs a Doug Eccles to tell us how to hem our pants. He would love that comment, by the way. You need somebody that can say, hey, man, I, I, listen, and I've had some of those friends that were, that were strong enough, and we had a relationship strong enough that they could pull me in and say, hey, I really think you need to watch it here, and you need to do this a little differently or say this a little differently. And then Hendrickson said, we all need a Timothy. We need someone under us that we're pouring into and we're helping raise up. Because if we're all about ourselves and not pouring into younger men and women, then what really are we accomplishing on earth? Because if you think about the great men of God in the Bible, at the end of their lives it was about taking the baton and passing it to the next generation. When God came to Moses, he said, you've disobeyed me, so I'm going to take you home like I did your brother Aaron. And Moses, his first reaction was, but Lord, who will lead these people? Who's going to be the next generation? And then God told him, you go raise up Joshua. You lay hands on Joshua. He's been with you from the beginning. He's the guy 
And they brought him into the tabernacle. They laid hands on Joshua and they transferred that authority on Joshua. And the Bible says the people respected Joshua just as they had respected Moses. Think about it. I think about the life of Elijah. When Elijah ran from the, 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 uh, ran from, uh, the king and his wife Jezebel. And Elijah was scared, I believe. And he was running even after he had the greatest victory of his life. He came down to Beersheba. And then he goes back to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And he goes up on top of the mountain and God appears to him. And God says, what are you doing here? And he says, Lord, I, I'm here and I've done everything. Everything you ask me, and, and, and I'm the only one left. <clears throat> and God said, no, I actually have 7,000 others who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. He said, now get up and go anoint the next king of Syria. Go anoint the next prophet and go anoint Jehu. What it was about now was you go and pour into the next generation. You pass the baton to the next generation. And then Elijah faded out of the scene. It's all about raising up the next generation. So my question for you in 2024 is who are you going to serve? We know we're serving the Lord, but I'm telling you, we have to serve people too. And sometimes you have to pour water on the hands of a prophet. Sometimes you have to get under somebody. Maybe it's an older farmer that some of you younger farmers need to get under. Maybe it's an older educator that some of you educators need to get under. Maybe it's an old, older mechanic that some of you mechanics need to get under. You need to get under somebody that can pour into you and download what they've learned through hard knocks into your life. And if you want to go into ministry, get under a man or woman of God that, can, that you can serve. That you can serve. And it's not a weird thing, but it's a, it's a spiritual thing. I did the same thing in my life. I served many men of God in my ministry. And for the first six years of my life, I just served my pastor. Carried his Bible and went with him and did revivals and got raised up out of that. Then I went and served another evangelist. And out of that, got launched into evangelism. Then I went and served a, the a theologian. And out of that, got launched into a whole academic thing. And then out of that, I served some bishops in my life and was able to work with them faithfully through the years. And through that, God just came, even when I didn't agree with everything, I just kept serving and tried to be faithful. And I'm telling you what, faithfulness pays off through the years because what's on them gets on you. It starts to transfer onto you. I fully believe in transference of the anointing. It starts to transfer on you. And then you just have to watch and not try to mimic their flesh, but just mimic the spirit and the anointing that they, that they download on you. Because I think that's where some people mess up. They just try to, you know, they just try to look like somebody or sound like somebody because they're highly anointed. And you miss the mark altogether. Like my mentor, H. Richard Hall, said years ago when he was a young, young preacher, he used to hear this older preacher preach. And he said, man, if I want to be like anybody, I want to be like that guy. And he said they were at a great camp meeting together. And, and this old man would preach. And he would, he would just get riled up. And then every now and then he would go. <gasps> he would keep preaching and every now and then stopping. Do like that. And, and, and Brother Hall thought, well, there must be something to that. There must be real anointing in that. So he said, when I preached, I got up and I would preach a little bit and then I'd go. <sighs> then after the service, he talked to the old man. And the old man said, son, you did a good job, but why 
did you keep biting your finger and do like that? And Brother Hall said, well, I saw you do it. And he said, son, I did it because my false teeth were falling out. So when we mimic some people only according to the flesh, it really is a bad deal, man. Get in the spirit of that thing. Learn the spirit. Come on. Who are you going to serve in 2024? Y'all got to hear Dana's story at some point. But we've talked about it a lot. The reason, the reason she's where she is now, she served a general in the faith for the past 10 years. A real general in the faith. Serving. Just let me work. Let me work under you. Let me do what I can do. Let me, and it's and it's it becomes a beautiful thing. I think about R. W. Shambach who worked under A. A. Allen. Ted Shuttlesworth who worked under R. W. Shambach. I think about uh, Catherine Kuhlman and Benny Hinn would go into her meetings and love that she ca- he, or Billy Burke who was under Catherine Kuhlman. They came out moving in a similar type of anointing that she moved in. Amen. On and on and on, you can see this pattern in Scripture. So look at your neighbor and say, who are you going to serve? As Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. Not only was he a servant, Joshua was a man of the Word. It's really amazing how much attention he gave to the law of God and to the Word of the Lord. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, The Lord spoke to him and said, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it for to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. When it's in your mouth, when you meditate on it, and when you do it. When it's in your mouth, meaning you're speaking it, you're meditating on it, you're ruminating on it, and then you're acting on it. That's when the Word becomes powerful in your life. Recently, I read a study by Lifeway Research, and they had studied over 40,000 people ages 8 to 80 years old about how much time they spent in the Word per week. And this is very interesting because we're coming into a new year. It's a perfect time to start reading the Bible. It's a perfect time to start listening to the Bible. It's a perfect time to get into the Word. In this study, the study indicated that when people engaged in the Scripture one time a week, which is like you coming to hear me preach once a week, that, and this hurts my feelings, but that it had negligible effect. If they engaged in the Word three times a week, it also had a small effect in their life. But when they engaged four times or more a week in the Word, something, they hit a tipping point and something started happening. Feeling lonely dropped by 30%. Anger issues dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped by 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing faith with others increased by 200% and discipling others increased by 230% when people got into the Bible more than four times a week. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think it's kind of like dieting. You eat well for two days, and then you eat chocolate cake for five days. It really doesn't do much good. Hallelujah. you got to get it working. you got to get the Word in you. Start listening to great faith teaching. Spirit-filled, positive faith teaching. Start a Bible reading program. Start listening to the Scripture. Start going to church on a regular basis. Let me tell you, some amazing things happen. We have a couple in our church, and they said one New Year's turned around, and the husband said, we're going to church. They went to church. He and his wife didn't miss a Sunday that year, and it changed their lives. My grandfather, who was a backslidden Pentecostal, for 20 years he spent outside the church in a backslidden condition. One New Year's Day rolled around, and he looked at my grandma, and he said, we're going to church today. And they went Uh, Literally, they lived next door to a church. It was a church of God. And they went, walked up the hill, went to this little church of God. Altar call was given. They went to the altar and repented and rededicated their lives to the Lord and lived these tremendous Christian lives until they went home to be with Jesus. Let today be the day of decision. Who will you serve? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when tomorrow comes? What are you going to do when Tuesday morning comes and you have to go back to work? Who will you serve in 2024? How will you get into the Word in 2024? Come on, write it down. How am I going to get into the Word in 2024? What am I going to do to increase? Because when we in, as we increase our time in the Word, it has exponential results. Third thing is, Joshua was a man of the presence of God. He was a man of His presence. I love this. In Exodus chapter 24, the Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has any difficulty, let him go with them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Who's with him? Joshua is with him. At one point, Exodus chapter 33, he and Joshua go outside the camp, and meet with the Lord face to face, Moses would, and Joshua would just stay by there. And the Bible says at this time when Mount Moses came back to the people, Joshua stayed near the presence. He, I believe he was a lover of the presence. I believe he loved the presence of God. And it, and it was evident, and that's why he could have been a great military leader, he could have been a great organizer, he could have been a great orator, he could have been all those things. But I think the difference maker in his life and why he went to the heights of leadership was because he was a lover of the presence of the Lord. He loved his presence. I don't know, I hope you fall in love with Jesus more this year than you've ever in your entire life. I hope you yearn for His presence and long to be in the glory and long for His touch and long to feel His manifest power and long to come to services like this one where the glory of God, we just open the doors and say, come on in, Holy Ghost, have your way. I pray you become those type of people. I pray you become that, that, that one-off type person. You know, when you were in the world, you know, some people, it took a long time for them to get to feeling good. It took five beers, six beers in 
but some could have a few drinks and it was like, the party has arrived. I want to be that in the Holy Ghost. I want to be like, soon as they crank up the music, I don't have to sit there and figure out what everybody's worn and what everybody's been doing this week and why doesn't she speak to me and why is it too cold in here and it's too loud in here and I can't stand these spinning lights. I don't want to be that person. I want to be like, come on, bring it, guys, bring it. Come on, don't stop now. Come on and bring it. I want to be that one-off, ready to go. Oh, hallelujah. I want to be a lover of His presence. There's no substitute for being in the presence of God. There's no, subs- there's no manufactured substitute. Nothing can replace that. There's nothing that can replace the time you spend in the presence of the Lord. That's why we still have revivals here. I believe in soaking for days in the presence. A one-day conference is fine and it's helpful, but it's does- nothing replaces three, four, seven, 14 days getting in the presence and pressing in and pushing in. Night after night. Years ago, we, we were, I pastored in Chesapeake and we had a revival and the revival lasted for a week. And at the end of the week, me and the evangelist, and it was an okay, it was an okay meeting, I think. It was average. And at the end of the week, me and the evangelist talked and we're like, should we go on? And we both agreed, hey, we should go on. So we went on another week, and it got better. Into that week, we said, should we go on? We said, we should go on. Went on a third week. We went nine weeks. And it seemed like each week we kept getting deeper and deeper. Then we saw a lady's leg grow out as God shifted her hip and totally healed her. Then we saw a lady had cancer going in for surgery, completely healed, went into surgery. They sent her out and said the tumor is no longer there because she had received prayer the night before in church. Then we, we had a small church, but we saw 60-plus people healed, I mean saved, and then scores baptized in the Holy Ghost. And it took some time to press in. I felt the Lord speak to me here this year in the platform as the Spirit was moving. And I was just like, God, we want your presence. We want more of you. And I felt the Lord asked me, are you willing to take the time to push into my presence? Are you willing to take the time and push into my presence? Hallelujah. So, so what are you going to do in 24 to push into the presence of the Lord? What are you going to do? Are you going to push in to the presence of the Lord? Because in His presence are the answers you need. In His presence is the revelation and the download. That's where Moses got it. He went on the mountain. The glory cloud surrounded him. God downloaded. It's in His presence and taking time when we commune with Him and God downloads the stuff we need. And I'm going to go one step further. It's in praying in the Spirit as well. Take time in His presence and pray in unknown tongues. Go an hour and see what happens in your life. Go 45 minutes and see what happens in your life. As you pray in the Spirit, God starts unlocking mysteries in the heavenly places and there's really no replacing that in your life. I can't counsel you enough. We couldn't send you to 15 counselors that could give you what the Father can give you in in five minutes in His presence. Come on, write it down. What are you going to do this year to make room 
for his presence. You remember Elisha. And Elisha met this widow woman. And this widow woman was so nice to him, her and her husband. They were so nice that they built a room on their house and fixed it up just for Elisha so that when he would come by, he would have a place to stay. As my friend Kent Christmas says, they made room for the presence. And then what happened? When she was barren and couldn't have a child, Elisha prayed for her and she had a son. Later on, that son died. Elisha went and raised him from the dead. Later on, even though she lost her house, when she came back to it, she went to court and had favor in the courts and got her house back. Why? Because she valued the presence of the Lord. She valued taking time and making space for God's presence. What are you going to do in 2020? Man, I'm preaching like... I think it's one service. I think we got to run. What are you going to do to make room for the presence this year? Final thing, Joshua was a man of faith. At Kadesh Barnea, Numbers chapter 14, Moses sent out 12 spies into the promised land. Go into the promised land and, and spy out the land. Come back with a report. Ten of the spies came back and said, no way can we do this. There are giants in the land. We're as grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can make this happen. But Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, hey, we are well able to do this thing. this This is nothing. If the Lord's with us, we are well able to do this thing. And then when they spoke, the people had already been stirred up with the negative report, so much so that the people rose up in an uproar against Joshua and Caleb, the two men of faith. That tells you majority vote isn't always right. But the two men of faith stood there, and when it came down to the end, the only two of that generation who were able to enter the promised land was Joshua and Caleb, the two men of faith. I think it's no coincidence that Joshua became the leader of the children of Israel because he was a man who believed God could do exactly what God said he would do. Hallelujah. No deviation from the mean. If God said it, I believe it. And if God said it, He's going to do it. All I have to do is obey. He's already figured out the rest of it. What are you going to do in 2024 to expand your faith to believe God for more and greater in your life? You begin with the end in mind. Great leaders do. So what is the end that you want what, what do you want to see God accomplish in your life by December 2024, December the 31st? What can you say, Lord, this is the mountain I'm saying give me this year. This is the mountain. This is the thing I want you to do in my life. And you know it doesn't just need to be a selfish thing. Spend some time in the presence of the Lord and ask Him, what do you want me to believe for? How do you want me to extend my faith? What do you want us to accomplish this year? Hallelujah. 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 I'm telling you, we are looking to do a lot this year. Amen? Bringing back Friday night prayer meeting. Coming back in person on Wednesday nights. Expanding this sanctuary to a thousand people. We got a lot on the table that we want to do. Amen? Take missions higher. Why? Because it releases the spirit of generosity in this house. I want to see everybody in this church debt free. 
I want to see everybody in this church healed. I want to see everybody in this church baptized in the Holy Ghost. I want to see everybody in this church moving in the gift and calling that God has placed on their life. I want to see everybody young and old and middle aged fulfilling the destiny that God has on their life. That when we preach your funeral way down yonder, that we don't have to make up some stuff. But we can say they really did it. Come on, they preached their own funeral. I don't have to sit there and interview family members and what, they like sports? And they like NASCAR? Okay, maybe we'll mention that at the funeral. No, I don't, I don't like that. I like coming to a funeral saying this man lived it, this woman was a saint, they preached their own funeral, now I'm going to preach to the living. Let's talk about being saved and getting right with God. Hallelujah. How about you accomplish everything God has called you to do in this life start in 2024? You say, yeah, but I've wasted too many years. Well, tough luck. You got the years left to get it done. Come on, you got 2024? Start then and get it done. Don't worry about the past. Let it be the past. You start doing everything that God has called you to do in 2024. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Come on. What are you going to do to make room for the presence of the Lord? What are you going to do to make room for the presence of the Lord? Who are you going to serve? How are you going to get into the Word? How are you going to expand your faith? And what are you going to do to make room for His presence? Not a big prophetic word, but a word from the life of Joshua. Determined today, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I think about my grandfather when I say that because he was a great example of that. He came back to the Lord in, on this New Year's Day and he lived a great Christian life for the rest of his life and he put God in, in first priority. He put him in first priority in everything. If family came and stayed on the weekend, that was cool, but on Sunday morning we're going to church. I don't care what you got going on, we have a priority. No matter who came over to stay, at night, we're getting down on the floor and we're praying. And I remember staying with them by myself when I was a young Christian and getting right down the living room floor on our knees and praying. Some of the greatest memories I have. That kind of, no compromise. No compromise. If you're not going to be a legit Christian around your family, you ain't going to be a legit Christian anywhere. Come on, you got to show it. Your family's the number one priority in your life. That you got to you you got to get get that straight and say this is this is what we're doing. We're going to serve the Lord in this family. If you're in my house until you're 18, you go to church. There's no staying home and playing Nintendo. I don't care how much you cry. You going to church? Why? Because I'm going to do everything I can to get you under the presence. Amen. Jackie, when Jackie was 18, she had some years that she grew up in church. But when she was 18, she didn't want to go to church, didn't want to serve the Lord. And her mom told her, I said, I'm going to take you to church tonight. You're going to go to a tent meeting with me. She said, I'm not going to a tent meeting. Her mom, Ruby, said, you're going to a tent meeting. So she said, this is back old school days. So she said, well, if I go, I'm not wearing a dress. 
Mom said, I don't care. You're going. So Jackie said she put a white pair of pants on. And she said, I got in that tent. And the man of God got up and started ministering. I felt conviction. I got scared. So I held my legs together just as much as I could to make it look like a dress. <laughs> and then she said when the altar call was given, she ran to the altar and rededicated her life to the Lord. All on a night when she didn't want to go to church. I know this isn't popular parenting right now, but I don't care. I don't care. It's the way we determine to raise our girls. They're not perfect, but they're anointed. They can pray with the best of them. They can move in gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah. They can lead a service and preach. Because we determine we're going to get them in the presence. When revival comes, I'm, I, I, sorry but not sorry. It's going to be late nights, and it's going to be early mornings, and it's going to be schoolwork in the pews, and it's going to be you know Cheetos or whatever you got to pack in the bag. All that. But the outcome is you got to sit near the man of God. Like Joshua on the mountain, you got to sit in the presence. And there's more going on there than we can ever calculate. What are you going to do to make a change in 2024? Come on, let's all stand. Hallelujah. Thank you guys for listening to me, for pushing in and worshiping, and letting me uh, stomp on your toes a little bit this morning. Come on, every head bowed. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Joshua, Lord. Thank you for uh, such an example we have of a man of God who uh, lives such an exemplary life. And Lord, we just pray we can emulate these characteristics in our lives, Lord. That we become men and women of prayer and men and women of your presence and men and women who are obedient to your word and men and women who want to uh, push in and serve and Lord, I just, I just pray that we become like Joshua in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray for each one under the sound of my voice who are here this morning that uh, they, they just seem like just barely made it through 23. They came through trials and tribulations and hard, hardships. And, Lord, we, just, we thank you that we're here today and we made it. We made it through all that. And now we're here looking at another year, looking at hope and encouragement, looking at a brighter future ahead of us. And so we determine right now to leave 23 behind. All of the hurts, the guilt, the failures, the, we leave it right now. We leave it in our wake and we push into the new year. Hallelujah. A new year with new possibilities. I just pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you start cracking off all of that stuff that's holding people back and trying to pull them back into the failures of the past or the regrets of the past. And Lord, we cut that stuff off today in the name of Jesus and we declare freedom in this house right now. We declare freedom in this house right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many are in here could lift your hand just between me, you, and the Lord? You could lift your hand and say, Pastor Hans, I'm not serving the Lord, but I want to serve the Lord. Today, I'd make that decision. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to pray for you right where you stand. How many can raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to serve Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, there's others of you. I'm going to serve Jesus. Today is a new day for me. Thank you guys for being bold enough to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. How many of you could raise your hand just, just between me, you, and the Lord? And you could say, man, I've made a mess of it. But I want 24 to be different. I want 24 to be different. Come on, I really made a mess of some things, but I want 24 to be different. Thank you for being honest in here. The Lord sees your hand. The Lord sees your heart. What we're going to do right now, we're going to pray as a congregation all together. The Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved. Didn't say you had to sign a church roll. Didn't say you had to give so much money or join this church. It just said you call on Him. He's the one who saves. So we're going to pray right now, and I'm going to ask all the congregation to pray out boldly and loud with us and pray with these coming into the kingdom right now. Come on, what an amazing way to end the year. Come on, pray it out loud with me. Father, I repent of all sin. I leave it all behind, and I walk to you. Jesus, forgive me of all sin. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Take control of my life. Forgive me of the past, the failures, the times I blew it. I ask forgiveness. Lord, I need grace, and I thank you for it. Come on, hands uplifted. Jesus, I thank you for forgiving me, cleansing me, washing my sins away. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm made new in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, give him a praise like he's just answered that prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Our altar workers, I want them to come to the altar right now, and they have blue bags behind them that are just, just new believer bags. If you prayed with us for the first time and you'd like one of those, no strings attached, that's our gift to you. I think there's a New Testament in it. There's some tracks on how to serve the Lord. Again, it's just to bless you. We want to bless you. Amen. What I want everybody to do this morning is I want us to, to, to do something. We're going to close in prayer, but I'm opening up the altar to anyone who needs special prayer this morning. If you need healing in your body, if you have a relationship issue you're walking through, if you just need prayer, just a prayer of agreement. Our prayer warriors are here. They're ready to pray for you. They want to they want to lock in and, and agree in faith with you. Amen. We do this every Sunday. Every, every Tuesday night, we pray for the sick in our church. We want to, we, we believe in prayer. We want to lock in with you in prayer. Hallelujah. So I'm opening this altar. If you need to come down for prayer, come on right now. For the rest of us, if you're not coming for prayer, lift your hand with me right now. Come on, Father, we declare 2024 to be my best year yet. As I obey your word, as I step forward on faith, I'm believing for greater. I'm believing for miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm believing for my family to be saved. I'm believing for my destiny to come out and me to walk in it in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for what's facing me and the exciting possibilities in the name of Jesus. 
Come on, can you give the Lord another one more hand clap and one more praise? Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.